Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening. I'm gonna dive into some of this stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a, a some things that I read you when I started this message that the Lord had given me in uh, September the September twentieth of two thousand eighteen. I had written this down. I said many many claim they're deep but have no depth. Any fool at the bottom of a dry well will sound deep, but their words have no depth. Their voice has great sound effects, but their sound has no lasting effects. They're merely amplified echoes reverberating a generic noise into the region. However, there are those with a real depth that are beginning to spring up around the region that will be a sound of resurrection life. Those who've truly died to themselves and have been hidden away with Yeshua within the overshadowing of the secret place. They've been seated, but soon they'll be sent. These will be deposits of vital water springing up into those parched regions that lie desolate because dry wells have been their resource. These sounds will summons the heavens to open and the release of a river flowing down into the barren landscape. Waters, living waters, will bring restoration and refreshing. Genesis 7-11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all of the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were then opened. The fountains within and upon the earth opening up and crying out is the precursor for the heavens being opened. Fountains or oases, if you will, hidden within the landscape will begin to be heard across the world and in the heavens. The heavens will then release its rivers into the earth, and that sound will greatly overwhelm the lifeless echoes of dry wells. I hear a sound of a river coming down. Then I added on October the 18th, a scripture from Ezekiel 43, verse 2, says, Suddenly the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east, The sound of his coming, say sound of his coming, was like the roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with his glory. Now, something I began to teach you and begin to share with you is that uh, the reason that we're dealing with such a parched, desolate, dry, barren landscape when it comes to uh, the the body of Christ as it pertains to the church and our community uh, is because I believe that there are wells that, and, and I want to share something with I believe these wells were intended and were strategically placed by the hand of God, but they remained themselves dry. There is nothing that refreshes the parched dry thirst of an individual more than a refreshing drink of water from a natural 
flowing spring. You know, we in the in the world that we live in today, we we talk about fresh spring water, and some of the old timers can talk about going around the side of the mountain and taking their dipper and going over to the spring and dipping some water out of that spring. And I've heard I've heard some relatives of, of mine that are that are you know they're they're up there in age and they've seen some things they've they've experienced some things they've went through some things and they've endured some things but I, I would sit and listen to some of them talk about going out and said in the middle of the summer and said you could take that dipper and dip a, a dipper out of that spring or out of that well you know they would make little I guess dams to collect the water in the, in the form of a reservoir or what have you and uh you know, as it would flow, it would overflow, or as it would come up, it would overflow, you know. But they would collect water in this reservoir-type thing. Usually it was made out of rocks or cinder blocks or whatever they had, whatever materials that was available to them. And I could, I could hear stories, or I have heard stories of, of old-timers, you know, uh, going out and saying, man, you could go out there in the middle of the sun in the middle of the summer, middle of July, and you could take a dipper out of there, and it was just ice cold, like it had just come, you know, off of a, you know, a, a, a block of ice. You know, it was it was so refreshing, and you know that that's their memories of this, and so I know that there's something that is so refreshing to the individual. There's something even even the flesh and the carnal knows that there's something refreshing about the coolness. Of a of of a mountain spring, there's something refreshing about the 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 uh, the way that the the water touches your lips and it cools your even in cool, cools the interior of your being. So if that is the case in the natural, then there has got to be something of that case in the spiritual. So if you remember me talking about the conversation that that myself and Yahweh had on the mountain on December the 22nd and he asked me you know uh, as it pertained to the walnut hole that I found and the conversation progressed from there and he asked me what do I hear and I began to listen and I could hear streams I could hear this rushing of water and you know and I could even look down into the the valley and the holler in which I was standing in and I could see fresh streams that normally aren't there but there was no rain, and the rain had ceased probably four days. I'm thinking four days prior to this event. And he said, what do you hear? I said, I hear rivers. He said, and where are those rivers com coming from, seeing that I stopped the rain four days ago? I said, they're coming within the depths of the mountain. He said, so, so it is. He said, and how is it that these mountains can you know, issue these waters. I said, well, they're in the depths. And the Lord just began to teach me if we would position ourselves, as did the mountains, to receive uh, within us what the Lord releases upon us, then we too would begin to issue rivers of living waters. And this whole thing has progressed to, as the streams, as the mountains begin to, uh, as the mountains begin to receive what the Lord is pouring out upon them, they themselves become bellies of rivers of living waters. Uh, and they issue forth this this stream, and it it goes from uh, the point of where it it is, is it is issued, and it always flows to uh, the bigger stream or the greater cause in which we have called it. And so I've always said that we are released into the earth from point A to point B, but something that we miss in the spiritual aspect of this is the point A and point B is the same point in eternity. 
Point A is Jesus, point B is Jesus. But we look at this going from point A to point B on a linear line. Flat. But it's not so when we understand that we have been released into the earth uh, for the purpose to then... Okay, let me explain this. We've been released in the earth from Jesus to make it back to Jesus. When you understand that point A and point B are the same point, you have to understand that your journey is a circle. Point A, point B, your journey, everything in between. You're, you, you've been released to then be, be received back into him. Okay, what is the, what is the process of osmosis? I'm going to do it in a reverse pattern. Okay, water is generated into vapor because the sun shines upon the face of a lake or a face of a river, and water is then heated up and generated into a vapor, which is, is light in density. It floats into the atmosphere. It comes together collectively in the form of clouds, and when the atmosphere is right, when the atmosphere is... Uh, when the atmosphere... Uh, comes together I don't know I'm not I'm not a weatherman or a, that those accumulated water molecules in the clouds then began to be released back into the earth in the form of rain so you have listened to what I'm about to say because uh, I hope it all comes back and makes sense you've been released out of Jesus to then be received back into Jesus your journey in this earth was to make it back to him there is a river, according to the book of Psalms, and the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and he will help her, and that right early. So you've got to understand that there is a river. I believe that the river is very symbolic to one named Jesus. And there are many rivers that come together collectively to come to make up the presence of Jesus in this earth. Okay, what is the church? The body of Christ. What is Jesus? The fullness of the church. What is the church? The fullness of Jesus. Both of those statements, or those three statements I just gave you, are both biblical. I've covered them over the last few weeks. He is the head of the church, which is the fullness of who he is. Okay, he feels all in all, which means that he is flowing and overflowing the existence of everything that we know of. I believe that the universe is filled with the knowledge or is filled with the glory. The only thing missing is our knowledge of it. Does it listen, how, okay, let me let me explain this to you. The mountains for the last 6,000 years have been full of coal. When did it begin to exist? When we core drilled and figured out the, how deep it was in the mountain? No. It existed prior to that. It existed f further, further into uh, history than that. Just because we discovered it don't mean that when we discovered it is when it began to exist. 
So there is the glory of God that is permeating in the earth, yet we have not discovered it yet. But when we discover that the glory of God covers the earth, we will have a knowledge of it. And I don't believe an, 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 an intellectual knowledge. I believe that we'll have an experiential knowledge because once you, once you experience the glory of God, there's nothing else that will do. Let me, let me, let me, I'm gonna, I, I don't know, I'm going to go here. Not really intended to. Okay, I believe that God sent His Son into this earth not only to redeem humanity, but I believe that He redeemed the planet. I believe that when we look out and we peer into the earth and we see a trash heap, I believe that the only reason we see a trash heap is because we have not adequately perceived what He did on the cross. We look at the earth and we say, well, the earth belongs to the enemy. The earth belongs to the devil. The earth is evil. Yeah, the enemy, the devil, and all evil is in the earth. But they do not have precedence. They do, well, I'll say they do have precedence, but that's, that's the unfortunate matter. They do not have authority. Yeshua has authority. He says, I have been given all of authority both in heaven and in earth. And I believe that when he received authority, he sent you out and myself, the church, he sent you or released you out in that authority. Come on, somebody say amen with me. This is, I mean, listen, you've got authority over your own mindset. Really, you have authority over your own mindset, over your own heart set, over your own comings and goings. I believe that when we appropriately see or perceive that He redeemed the planet, we will not walk into our community tomorrow and say, you know what, the devil has got their soul, or the devil has got this community, or the devil has got this region. No, the devil don't have it. We just have failed to reclaim it in the authority and in the power of Yeshua through the Holy Ghost. That's it. So there's got, there's got to be something about understanding or, or, or discovering the knowledge, the, 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 excuse me, the glory of God that does cover the earth. So let me say that, let me go back and say, I believe that Jesus redeemed the planet. Does it look like it right now? Absolutely not. No, it doesn't. I will agree with that. But I, I've come to the point in my walk with Jesus that I don't let that deter me because I believe, just like Charles Spurgeon believed, that the Holy Spirit will not suffer the imputation to rest upon His holy name that He was not able to convert the entire world. I believe that when He come and redeemed the planet, He gave us the opportunity to work in such a way that we would see the entire earth redeemed back to the glory of God and reconciled back into right relationship with God through Christ Jesus. That is what I believe. That is my theology. And nothing else really even matters. What's the matter with all this, Pastor? We have not appropriately started walking in the right perception. Hmm? We get so affixed on what we see in front of us 
that we have failed miserably to be caught up into higher altitudes so that the voice of Yeshua can say, look into that which is yet to come, and I will promise you that if you will agree with me, I will make it the reality in your now. What does Jeremiah 29, let me get right, y'all remind me where I was at. Jeremiah 29 11, what does it say? I, I'm about to prove this to you. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So I want to cover something right there. He said, He knows his thoughts that he thinks towards us. Okay, let's put this into our perspective. Let's put this into, he's talking to us for a minute. I want you to see one thing that his thoughts do not include. Evil. So how did he speak this planet into existence? He imagined it. I told you last week and I actually failed to cover and, and, and elaborate on what I was talking about. But he imagined the earth. The earth was in his imagination, and then the earth came to existence out of his inspiration. Okay, what does inspiration mean? Theonoustos is the Greek word. It literally means God breathed. It actually means God breathed in. So he had in his imagination the image in which he's seen, and then he spoke it into existence as he breathed it and he inspired it to come to pass. So you have been first the imagination of God and then you became the inspiration of God because when he saw you in his heart, you know, as I pull my hand down really quick because we think of imagination up here. God did not imagine you in his mind. He had an imagination of you in his heart. Why? Because you're closer to his heart than you are to his mind. Hmm? Because when he generated you into existence, he generated you out of a place of love. So God has imagined you in, within the innermost being of his heart. And then he breathed you out of the innermost being of his essence. And you became what? A living soul. So his thoughts for you never, ever, 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 ever included evil. I heard a preacher lately say this, and I've, I've researched it and I can't find it. And I'm not saying that this preacher's wrong. I'm just saying that I have a hard time. I won't repeat something that I haven't researched and confirmed but i heard a preacher say one time that the word dream in hebrew and the word create was the same word i can't find that to be true but i will say this as what i and what i have found god had dreams for you and out of those dreams for you he created you huh how many of you have children and you had great dreams or expectations for your children? Okay. Who's our, who's, Yahweh is heavenly father. And his dreams and expectations for you have been great and mighty. 
I never dream that my kids will end up in a catastrophe. How many of you do that? How many of you have never dreamed that your kids would end up having the flu, but when they had the flu, you felt remorse, and you grieved, and you prayed for that child? Okay, that's a very, very, very minute catastrophe compared to what some parents go through. I assure you that it would be hard for me to look at a parent and say, well, you know what, the Lord just had a dream for your little Johnny, and it was to crash into that rock cliff and die in his truck that you told him to be careful in. Hmm? that's evil and God never dreamed that dream for your kids God never dreamed those dreams for you so what really what, okay what am I saying that there is a place to where we can get as believers to where we get into a place of proximity with him who created us Jesus in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and there was nothing that was made that was not made by Him. Jesus spoke us into existence. Huh? He was with the Father, and He was with the Holy Spirit in the process of all of creation. I believe that God created eternity. Who else could? You can't fathom eternity. I can't fathom eternity. No one can fathom eternity. Only God could fathom eternity. So when we understand that God had dreams for us, and when our dreams are not playing out according to the ones that he had for us, I believe that we can get into the place of proximity and Jesus can say, okay, you messed up here, but out there is where you were intended to be at this point of time. It's not actually, it's, it does not exist yet, but I'm the God that claims those things that, that aren't as though they are. So it's, it, it's out there, which means it isn't or aren't. We might have missed it, which means it isn't or it, 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 it's not, it, it aren't. So those things that aren't can be called those things that are. Okay? And let me explain it this way. You got cancer. That is the aren't. Because this reality is not God's reality. The cancer is not what we focus on. The not having cancer is what we focus on. And the not having cancer is what God dreamed of us. So, oh, we missed it somewhere, quite possibly. Now, if I can just get into the proximity of the voice of Jesus and let him tell me, oh, well, this was my dreams for you, those aren't. Okay, I'm going to take those things that aren't and I'm going to proclaim him as though they are because this is his are me having absolutely no evil no evil does that make sense I know I probably butchered that in my explanation but that's what the scripture says 29 and 11 in the book of Jeremiah I know my thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil Why? This is so hard to stand for the modern church. Why? Because the modern church don't know how to walk in presence. All they know how to do is walk in explanations. Bad, terrible, utterly horrific explanations. Well, you know, 
God just had a plan for Johnny to wreck his truck. Show me that in the Bible. Show me that in the heart of God. Hmm? What does it mean when Paul says that I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the, Christ, the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He died and suffered literally so I would not have to. Hmm? I really believe that Jesus redeemed the planet. And when he, he dreamed the planet, huh? he dreamed the planet and the planet became existent. He dreamed humanity and placed it within the planet so that humanity could then fulfill the dreams that he had for them and the planet. But we ended up making it a nightmare because one man wanted to get so caught up in himself and chase his own dream. That'll preach right there. One man started chasing his own dream. And twisted everything up. And peace and not of evil became non-existent. The moment he started chasing his own dreams was the moment that evil and chaos and corruption creeped into the earth. And then stole dominion over both the planet and humanity the scripture maybe not the same scripture we've been taught but I'm going to say this boldly we've been taught wrong let me ask you this if God if Jesus redeemed the planet and I believe that we then when he redeemed the planet we become co-laborers with him Take my yoke upon you. Huh? What is the yoke symbolism for? Work. But what happens when you begin to carry the yoke that Jesus himself carries? You really don't carry anything. He's just allowing you to come and participate in the work that he's already accomplished. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. See, does that, that does not make sense to anyone in this room from a carnal perspective. Take my yoke upon you. After telling us to come unto him and he will give us rest. How can I have rest while carrying a yoke? Now he goes on to explain, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're actually not carrying anything. I'm carrying it for you. It's the invitation to come into participation of co-laboring with him to redeem the planet. Some people call this dominionism. I call it Jesus. Jesus don't need a man. He didn't need a man, but he chose to use one. Why? So that he could fulfill the reconciliation of humanity and divinity back together. 
Let me explain this further. When you carry the yoke and you pray for somebody and you see them healed, you start dreaming your own dream and promoting your healing ministry and you fall flat on your face. Why? Because you never healed them in the first place. You just allowed yourself to be coupled with the yoke of Jesus and Jesus healed them because the work was already done on Calvary's cross. That's why this is scary. This is why so many people buck against this. Because they know that they're not mature enough to walk in that kind of authority because they themselves will begin to dream their own dreams and then begin to walk in their own path. And when you walk in your own path, you walk out of the will of God. That's what happened to Adam. Look at the Scriptures. He started to dream his own dreams. He began to develop his own will. And he began to walk outside of the dreams and the will of the Father. Let me, let me explain something to you. Listen, this is something ridiculous that I learned over the week. What happened when Adam began to move outside the will and the dream of his father Yahweh? Chaos, corruption, disruption. Y'all with me? Do you know that there, do you know that, okay, what is air? Trick question because I'm sure you're probably not going to get it right. Because if I'd have been asked two weeks ago, I would have got it wrong. Do you know that scientifically air is considered water? The firmament. The earth was placed inside of a firmament. Most theologians believe that it represented some sort of a bubble. That the earth was created and formed inside of a bubble. What did the bubble do? It acted as a barrier. It protected everything within it. Okay? So the, the air and water are considered as the same element. Okay? Well, explain this a little bit further. What is humidity? Moisture in the air. So air is considered water. Water is an element of air. What happened? Listen to me. I'm about to preach something here. I really need you to get this. What happened when Adam deviated from the dreams and the will of his father corruption disruption disorder chaos upheaval things just begin to unravel anybody else with me on this are we all are, are y'all with me here do you know what science has proved that there that one characteristic of water or air is It does not want to be separated. And if you separate it, you cause a disruption and you cause turbulence. Y'all see that? You don't see that? What happened in the garden was what he was created out of and what he was created for. The heavens and the earth were never created to be separated. God, divinity, and humanity were never created to be separated. And you know, listen, you were created out of the dust of the earth. Amen? So raise your hand if you believe this, because that's what the Bible says, right? What holds all of it together? Water. Your brain is made up of 72% water. Oh, let's see. Your blood is made up of 72% water. Your 
brain is 65% water, I think it is. Uh, or maybe it's 82% water, 67% water. Anyway, everything within your body is made up of a great percentage of water. Your brain, again, I think it's 82% water. Your blood is 70-something percent water. Your average body mass is 65% water. Even down to your bones are made up of 23.5% water. Bones are rare, fairly dry, would we agree? You know, bake a turkey, pull it out of the oven, <clears throat> pretty dry consistency, right? Even your bones are made up of water. So God created the humanity. He created Adam out of the elements of the earth. But yet when he <sighs> breathed into it, the breath, the air with within him began to grab a hold of all the particles and hold them together it was never intended for humanity and divinity to be separated because that's why we develop <clears throat> excuse me that's why we're enduring turbulence in the earth today explain this this is how it was explained to me take a flagpole tie a flag to the flagpole and when that wind begins to do this what's happening is you're actually separating air molecules and that's where you're getting the wave in that flag and the more the more violent the flag waves it is actually the because those molecules are separating but are trying to come back together because when they hit the flagpole and they hit that stretch of material that has made the flag. Those, those wind molecules or air molecules hit that and separate. And guess what's happening? They start to do this because they're wanting to come back together. And that's why you have this when the flag is doing that. Because they're trying to come back together faster. God never created us to be separated from him. What happens when humanity is living a life separate from him? You go through turbulence. Let me, let, me, uh, bear, let me redefine that for you. Trials and tribulations. Hmm? It's good, offensive, I don't know. I might have been offended for a minute, but then I realized God is good, and I, he's trying to get me back into his presence. Sorry, I didn't mean to. You might, I do that a lot, or that, or stomp. I don't stomp as much as I used to because the floor is really weak. If I'm offended by what God tells me, then I'm, you know, hey, come on. Then you know what? I've seen more people get offended by what God is saying. And that's why we have modernism and humanism in the church. And I'm getting ready to get back to some of that. But anyway, anywho. He knows his thoughts that he thinks towards us. They're for peace and not of evil to give us an expected end. Let me, let me refresh here a little bit in what I taught on last week. Okay, the word thoughts is makashava, which literally means imagination. So he says, I know what I've already imagined for you. And what you're dealing with was never my dreams for you. Hmm? Have we ever seen somebody daydreaming with their eyes real big and you snapping your fingers and saying their name and all they're they're in a different dimension? And we call that daydreaming. What are they really doing? 
They're imagining themselves somewhere else. God had dreams about you. And he created you according to his dreams. And when he had his imaginations, do you not see the root word of him? I'm, I'm reviewing. I've, I taught all this last Sunday. The root word of imagination is image. What did he create you in? And his image. He imaged you. I point to here because this is where we uh, relate imagination. But let me say, I, I'm pointing to my... He imagined, he imaged you inside of the innermost essence and parts of his heart. Okay, there's something that we, I, I, I can't find a correlation between dream and create, but I can find a correlation between belly and heart. The word for belly in uh, John chapter 7 verse 38. John chapter 7 verse 38, I don't know where it is in my notes, it's here somewhere. Uh, but anyway, it says that they that believe as the scripture has saith, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Okay, that word actually means the innermost depth of the person or soul, for that is the seat of all thought. It is the seat. Let me find this definition because I know I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this in a I was just reading over it, but, you know. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. It, it, the, the word is koilea, matrix, belly, womb, or heart. It, the, it goes on to define it as the innermost part of a man, the soul, the heart, as the seat of thought, feeling, and choice. So when Jesus is saying this in John chapter 7, verse 38, he's saying, out of the innermost depths of who you are, there is a seat. Some would probably call it a throne. Who was supposed to be seated upon that throne? Jesus is supposed to be the king of your heart. Is that not one of the lyrics he's saying? I'm, I'm bad with the lyrics, but I know that's in that song. That you'll be the king of my heart. So where he is seated as king, there is the overflow of who he is because of his presence in the depth of your essence. So here, basically, literally, and what I'm telling you is the reason that we're having to manipulate and to come up with programs and ideas in order to fill our churches is because our churches are empty of one vital, one vital thing and person, and his name is Yeshua. If you're full of Jesus, you do not have to get on Facebook and try to provoke people to try to come into your church or even so into your ministry because, listen... He, he planted wells full of water 
not wishing wells. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm going to speak from my heart. One of the biggest turnoffs that has always been a turnoff for me is someone that will use their platform or use a social media to try to provoke people in sowing into their madness. But we need this, and we need that, and we need this, and we need that. We need this, and we need that. We need more money. We need more money. We need more money. We need more money. I'm not throwing my pennies down a wishing well. A wide mouth, gaping, open wishing well, and that's all they are. Do you not understand that there's an industry of ministry and they're not supposed to be the same? We have made an industry out of the calling of Jesus to promote the, to promote the notoriety and the popularity of our name. So we then have to adopt industrious tactics and industrious systems in order to try to convince people or try to, to keep our conveyor belts running industrious ministry the industry of ministry okay but let me let me explain something to you how many of us in this room just raise your hands for uh, kicks and giggles have been a Chevy man for all your life or a majority of your life you know, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: How many of you have been true blue Chevy, and lately have said, "You know what? I'm going to buy a Ford because something they were not fulfilling your expectations of their product." Let I me. Mean, that's just that's just that's figuratively speaking. That's just an analogy. You know, let's let's say it this way. I was a Matthews man for years, and my last bow and the one that I have now is a PSE. Okay, I had to rip decals off the window of my truck. I had to throw hats away because I was a Matthews man. But I found something that kind of pleased me better for the moment. So I went to PSC, right? The product speaks for itself. If, okay, if you're industrious in your process called ministry and you're not producing a product, you're having to beg people to sow into your process and your product and your industry, then you're not fulfilling their expectations. You're not producing an adequate product. If you're not producing fruit in ministry, then you're not producing an adequate product. And you're trying to convince people to sow into something that is dead. Period. That's wishing wells. There are dry wells and there's wishing wells, and we wonder why our community is, is barren. Well, we need, we need a new projector. Do you really need a new projector? We need new pews. I know how to do this. These pews, they are horrible. Go into a church that is thriving industriously and you will not see pews you will definitely not see a pew without a padded back you will definitely not see a pew without lumbar support you're going to see detachable chairs because they're sleek and they're pretty and they're fancy and they're hip and they're modern and they're going to have padded butt toxes they're going to have padded backrest they're going to have lumbar support and they're going to just just catch your eye and when you put your butt down in the pad of that seat it's going to snuggle you like a dream 
We got to have chairs. We got to have. We got to have chairs. We got to change the windows. We got to change the carpet. We got to put new light fixtures in. We got to paint the wall. We got to do this. We got to do that. Why? Because that's what industry does. Have you went into McDonald's and all of a sudden everything inside of McDonald's is changed? They've updated their light fixtures. They updated their seats. They updated their tables. They updated their bathrooms. They put new flooring in the entire restaurant. I've seen them tear down a McDonald's to build a McDonald's. Why? Industrious. Because they need to keep it fresh. I, listen, I'm, this is just me and that's the way I'm talking. I don't go to McDonald's and buy a 10-piece chicken nugget because their furniture looks awesome. I don't even go to McDonald's and eat chicken nuggets because it's healthy. I go and eat at McDonald's because it's fast, convenient, and tasty. Hmm? I don't go and listen to somebody preach because they make me feel comfortable. I have a chair instead of a pew, and I have all the amenities. I go because what they're feeding me is tasty. But you know what? Listen, I'm going to tell you something right here. I'm going to bust some bubbles right now. Do you know why we have to then go and rearrange the look of our sanctuary? It's because this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. In a, I'm, I've been on the road a lot last week. It's artificial sweeteners. Hmm? Artificial sweeteners. Anybody know what an artificial sweetener is? It's something that gives you the sweet taste and flavor without Whatever it is you don't want. It's artificial flavors. It gives you it, it, it gives you the sense of being sweetened, but it's been comprised of something else. Let me let me share something with you here. I, I've been in this training and I may look I might, I don't know. They may they may take my ordination. I don't know. They won't take my revelation, I can tell you that. And they never take my anointing. They can't take those two things from me. Nobody can but me. You've got to rearrange it. You've got to make the outside look as pretty as the inside. You've got to wash it down. Whitewash tombs. You've got, you, you got, you got to remodel and you've got to... You gotta, Put down new carpet because this carpet's been here since 1981. I don't know. Your, your pews or your chairs and, and the upholstery on your chairs don't match your carpet, so you have to go neutral colors, okay? And, and, and we got to have projectors on each side of the sanctuary, and we got to have the words of the songs up there. And we got to have somebody that when they sing and play the guitar and they're jumping around and dancing around and swinging on ropes like Garth Brooks used to do because that's, that's what people want. Hmm? So we got to sweeten it up a little bit for them. And you, you, you take all your crosses down because that's a, that's, that's a little bit of... You think I'm joking, right? 
Take your crosses down and never preach about the blood because the blood is it's, 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 it's creepy. And nobody wants you to preach about the blood. You know what? They didn't even want him preaching about the blood in the Bible because he started telling those people, they, the multitudes that followed him across to the other side of the sea, he started talking about that they would have to eat of him and drink his blood. And they all left. And then he looked at his disciples and said, okay, are you going to leave me too? Hmm? But if you want multitudes to follow you, you don't talk about the blood and you don't talk about partaking of his body because that's eerie and that's creepy and that's weird. Y'all follow me here? That's artificial sweeteners. And, and you've and you got you to crank up the music and you've got you to make it look like a concert. And you've got to lower the lights and have flashing beams of, of, of all these, you know, and smoke machines and all of this. And, and you know, <laughs> it's cool. I've been there. It really is. It'll really get you stoked up. Hmm? I've been to an ACDC concert, too, and I've been just as stoked. Hmm? They've got speakers that are four stories high. And Angus Young comes out playing his guitar with one leg out and hopping on the other leg and playing those strings just like nobody's business. And everybody's like, Rah! I've seen people act just as much like they were in church at a rock concert. Drinking beer. Hmm? Because we got to provoke you and stoke you into responding the way that really pleases us because it becomes narcissistic at that point. Which is the complete polar opposite of what church was ever supposed to be because church was supposed to be about him and never about us. It's never supposed to be about me in the position that I'm in. Hmm? A revelation given to me over the weekend is I'm not even really that cool. I'm just a sheepdog. Big, hairy, and ugly. Anybody else want to be a sheepdog? I'm, I'm the only one that probably finds that a little bit cool that I'm a sheepdog. So we have to artificially flavor it up. We have to sweeten it a little bit. Okay, preach about a better you. Preach about a prosperous tomorrow. Preach about everything's going to be all right. Preach about, you know, God... Uh, uh, you know, uh, what is the, what's the scripture? Uh, what endures the night? Come on, help me out here. Hmm? But joy comes in the morning, you know. Come on, it, today may be your sorrowful day, but you're going you're gonna to come into a dawning of joy tomorrow. Come on, somebody say amen. If that's for you, bring your money to the front and put it on the altar and give God His glory so I can put it in my pocket. Come on, amen, somebody. Huh? Y'all ain't ever been in that place, right? Y'all ain't ever seen that done before, have you? Come on, we ain't... the the. That ain't enough to pay the bills this month. Come on, throw, spread, run that offering plate one more time. Come on, I know there's more down deep in your pockets. You know, God, God's telling me right now. Woo! If you want God to move in your life, He's looking for a thousand dollar face seat. If you want God to move in your community, come on and believe with me. You ain't believing in the first place, Pastor. Because that $1,000 ain't going to buy your miracle. The blood of Jesus Christ done bought your miracle. You start preaching the blood of Jesus. Because if you ain't ready for the blood of Jesus, it ain't sweet unto your soul. It's bitter unto your... Mm. 
Let me prove this to you. I'm going to prove this to you. I'm going to prove this to you. Everybody's wanting to pre- These are preaching. These, pre- these, are, these are wishing wells. These are dry wells. Let me tell you. I'm going to give you a little bit of revelation here. I believe that God has strategically, purposely placed churches within every region, every community, for a purpose. Because I believe that he put this church here and that church over there and that church over yonder and that church down there because he knew one day somebody was going to come by who had a thirst in their soul that was going to encounter Jesus at that well. Because he put us where we're at so that we would not be empty and dry and he sure didn't put us where we're at so that we would be full of ourselves. He put us where he put us so that we would be full, overflowing to the brim of his presence. So that when somebody came to be given, when somebody came so that they would quench their thirst, they would partake of the goodness of Jesus and not what I had to offer them, but what he had to offer them. When they come to encounter Jesus, they're coming to a well. Why? Because there was a Samaritan woman that decided she was thirsty, that was going to go to the well, and she went to encounter her daddy's religion, but when she got to the well, she inherited her groom's religion, or her groom's relationship, I should say. And he overflowed in her, overfilled out of her, and she became Saint Fotini. Not the Samaritan woman at the well. What happens when you partake of a well that is overflowing with the presence of Jesus? It changes your identity. Because there's nothing in that well that caters to self. That's why we're dealing with the trash we're dealing with. That's why we're dealing. Mainstream ministry is nothing but a contaminated cesspool. And so many people get a call on their lives and they start chasing mainstream. And then they wonder why their souls lie dormant and stagnant and smell of the stench of cesspools. There is nothing stagnant about the flow of his presence. It's refreshing, isn't it? That's what the Lord asked me about those streams. He said, it's refreshing, isn't it? This is the one scripture that started it all where the Lord said this is where you're going today is the day that I believe he's going to let me reveal it Acts chapter 3 verse 19 hurry flip there with me if you have your Bibles I need you to mark this down matter of fact I don't preach just so that you can listen I preach that hopefully that you take it home with you so Acts chapter 3 verse 19 The word of the Lord says right here, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When? The times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When? The times of refreshing comes in the presence of the Lord until I start stewarding the presence within the depths of this well until he is full or we are full with the fullness of who he is 
we as a people will not be refreshed. The word refreshed is anopsuxus. The word anopsuxus means to cool and refresh. How many of us growing up as kids, and some of us maybe not as much now, but on a hot summer day would run down to the river and just jump in because there's something refreshing about the cooling sensation of jumping in the river. They're not jumping in to swim with you because there's nothing refreshing and cooling about what you're in. Because we're not living in the presence of Yeshua. We're not living in the presence of the river. There is a river. The streams whereof make glad the city of God. There is a river. And there are streams coming into said river. That is a joyous celebration. Prove it, pastor. There's a river. And the streams thereof make glad the city of God. Hmm? Desperation and desolation. And that's what we're getting out of the church today. Desperation and desolation. And it's supposed to be refreshing to my spirit and my soul. Why? Because the one thing necessary, I believe the one vital thing that is missing within the church today is the presence of Jesus. Yeah, there might be a wind blow through every now and then and we'll get excited and go on Facebook and talk about what a move of God. But let me tell you what, he should never have to have moved into because he should have never had to leave. Mm, when I opened the door of my church on Sunday morning, I met the face of Jesus. When my worship leader got up, I seen, I seen the music notes begin to just come in to the sanctuary. And they began to light up the environment with many colors. Colors that I could not even fathom unless I was seeing them in the realm of the Spirit. Come on, listen, I'm not, I, this, that man does not have the responsibility to lead you into worship. I thought that for many years. You do. Because you're to come in here or wherever it is you decide to encounter Jesus with an expectation and your worship and your praise regardless of whether... Listen, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to stand. I'm not telling you that it's okay to sit. I don't care whether you stand or sit. But I need you to understand that what flows out of your heart has got to look somewhat like it does in heaven. And if you would... Close your eyes and picture worship and praise in heaven. It looks nothing like what we do here on this earth. On this stage or the stage in other states that are going on when they put on a rock concert, that is not worship. There's a difference between somebody singing a good song and someone worshiping the river. Come on. Listen. Worship is a spiritual reality. 
And when I realize that my worship is supposed to mirror that of the 24 elders and the six-winged creatures that have wings on the inside of them and around the outside of them, and if they fly around the throne 24 hours a day for a billion-plus years singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what my, what my praise and my worship is supposed to look like here. And I'm going to go a step further. It can't look like that on Sunday morning and look completely like a 180 degree polar opposite from Monday to Saturday. It is a lifestyle of acknowledgement. It is a lifestyle of sensitivity. It is a lifestyle of an awareness of the presence of King Jesus in your life. My God, man, you, listen, I, there's times I know, I know how easy it is to get so preoccupied with things that seem important. You've got jobs, families, and kids, and bills, and all of these things. You've got issues that require your attention, but there are things that are stealing your attention from the reality of His presence in your circumstance that we're missing the reality that the healer and the provider and the answer is within our presence. Come on. I, I need to talk to Seth. Ring, 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 ring. Hey, man. But I need to talk to Jesus. Just start talking to him. Just start talking to him, man. I promise you, man. When you just start talking to him, he will change your perspective and you will begin to see things in the lens or through the lens of the Spirit. Come on. I'm looking for the day, and I mean this with every fiber of and I mean every essence of who I am. Every fiber of my being and every essence of who I am. I'm looking for the day that we come in here on Sunday morning and there's lights bouncing off the walls and from the ceiling to the floor. And there's colors that we've never been able to fathom. And there are angels begin to just fly around the presence of those that begin to sing and worship Jesus. And Jesus just begins to appear in the midst of the praises of his people. And we are so knocked off of our high horses because now, listen, I'm going to tell you something, Paul wasn't blinded his, his eyes were opened hmm let me tell you, there's a, good, there's a good moral here, people are praying for the glory, or praying for permission to see the glory of God but guess what happens when you don't have permission to see the glory of God but yet the glory of God appears to you you are stricken then when your eyes are open with blindness I think I can explain a lot of why there has been a lot of anointed men and women of God that have started out so good and sincere that have prayed for things that they were not mature enough in their walk to see when they seen them they were then stricken with blindness I've seen people come to me in conversation and say I never want to be this way but then themselves a year later start becoming everything that they once said they loathed Because they were not mature enough to step into the presence in which they begged God for. Paul was religious, yes he was, but I'm telling you, I believe there was something on the inside of Paul was saying, correct me. That's what happens when you ask for correction from a religious lens. I don't think we're ready for the goodness and the graciousness and the glory of Yeshua when we're still looking at everything from a polished up, 
cleansed on the outside, but not touched on the interior lens of religion. Hmm? They washed their hands, but yet on the inside of them was whitewashed tombs, dead bones. They looked like they had everything on the outside. They had the appearance, but not the adherence. They had the book, but they, the look, but they did not have the book. I, I, you know, and I, I say that because, listen, we can, we can manipulate or we can imitate the wind blowing. But when the Holy Spirit is in our midst, there is internal, interior transformation. Period. 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 I've been in church services where that we, would, we would stand even after church for two hours and 45 minutes begging people to come to the altar. Begging people to come and respond. It's narcissism. Because I feel, and I've, I'm preaching from experience. I've done this. I used to do this. I used to think that I had to get you to respond. And if I didn't get you to respond, then I went home feeling unaccomplished. Don't take this offensively, but I don't care whether you get it or not. I'm getting it. And I, I'm okay because I believe there's mornings that I wake up and I, I'll, I'll start to walk with Jesus and I'll be like, Hmm. And I'm going back 10, 11, 12 years ago when I would have people look at me and say, I'm, I will follow you wherever you go. I was, and listen, that's one of the dumbest things you can do to an immature young minister is begin to just blow smoke up their butts. You're bigger than this. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. You're going to make it big. You're going to pastor a mega church. All those things have been said to me. All those things. Many, many times. And I'd get in myself and I'd start to walk. I was going to conquer the world and kill every devil that stepped in my path. I was going to Judy kick them right in the throat and send them back to hell because I was God's man of power for the hour and I knew it. And I would take two steps forward and three steps back, Paul Abdul. Some of y'all too, some of y'all, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody know that about Paul Abdul? Uh, two steps forward, three steps back. I think his name is not it, Brian. That was an awesome song. That was a crazy awesome video. Little dancing cat. Alley cat. Because I had become a wishing well. And I had become the worst type of wishing well. I had become a wishing well that was so full of myself that I become stagnant. And I was seeking mainstream but didn't realize I was becoming a part of the pool called the cesspool. Because I had the presentation, but I did not have the presence of the one named Yahweh. And there is a big difference. Am I telling you that I walk foot and foot and hand in hand and shoulder to shoulder with Jesus every day? I fail most 
days probably more than you do. But I'm listening to the voice that says, hey, you missed it. I'm over here. Would you hear me this morning when I say that? Hey, I missed it, but he's over there. And I know where I can go to get back to him, and it's back to the face of the one that loves me. Come on. Come on. He puts you here. He dug you deep. Come on, listen, listen. Let me get my, my phone out here. I want to read some stuff here. Let me, let me touch something here real quick before I go. I don't even know where it is. So, Repent ye therefore and be converted. So that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. There is coming a time that when the river is going to begin to flow overflow and rise and it's going to change and turn the tide and there's going to be such an overwhelming current and flow but it's not going to be one of wrath it's not going to be one of vengeance and turbulence there's going to just be a rising of refreshing that comes within the body of Christ and it's going to come to bring refreshing refreshment unto your souls restoration unto your souls anopsixus a cooling refreshing anopsixus comes from the word anopsuko which means to revive one's True revival can only come into a region that understands that they're thirsty, they're parched, they're dry, and they're desolate, and they can't make it rain. There's got to be the understanding that his presence and the flow of who he is is the only thing that can usher in true, genuine revival. Wishing wells are never genuine. They're never authentic. I'll tell you why. They're imitators and they're duplicators. I've seen wishing wells, and the reason they're, I call them wishing wells is because they begin to duplicate the same industrious patterns as their true spiritual mothers and fathers. We need more money. We need this. We got that. We need, you to, we, need, we, we need our supporters to begin. And they begin to preach things and they begin to say things. That all they're doing is becoming a reverberating echo of things that came from dead depths. Do you know what dead depths are? They're graves. They're not wells. Hmm? Because, see, there's people preaching what they don't believe. There's people preaching what they don't believe. They're only preaching it because it is theatrical. It's... It works from an industrious standpoint. If I can preach to you on Sunday morning, greater is he that is in me, shoo, than he who is in the world. Glory to God. If what then shall we say about these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Glory to God. Shout a little bit here, stomp a little bit there, and get you all riled up in your emotions, and I can get you to stand up, jump, shout, run, or come to an altar. I can then feel good about my industrious tactics. But there's nothing actually flowing out of the well in which I am. Why? Because I'm dead depths and that is a grave. Faith without works is dead. 
But there's got to be, I'm, I'm, I'm touching on a lot of things that the Lord has been dealing with me on. Let's see. You've got to understand in the context James is speaking, he says, I'm going to affirm my faith believing in the works in which you see me do. Listen to what I say here. Are you with me? James is telling his, his readers that when I do works, I'm doing it out of affirmation of my faith, my belief. It's, it's easy to preach something you do not yourself believe. You're only preaching it because someone before you has preached it already. And it worked for them, and you believe that it can work for you. Okay? You're not believing the words, and you're not believing the context. You're believing the response. Salah. James says, I'm going to affirm my faith in what I believe in the things that I produce fruit. But he says, there are some that do the works but don't believe in their heart what the word of the Lord says. They don't have faith in Jesus, but they're performing works because they want to attach their name on the name of Jesus. In order for them to want to glorify his name, they have to promote theirs. Hmm? I was a young preacher one time, and I got invited to go preach at this place, and they put my name on the, on the, on the board, and I drove by. And we, we, one time, me and Brandy, we went there, and Brandy took a picture of it. And we put it on Facebook because I was, you know, it was, it was proof. It was evidence. I had arrived. I was going to, God was, I had appointments coming up. I was going to preach somewhere different every weekend. I had people calling me now, and we put it on Facebook. And guess what I did? I actually put, took a pen and stuck it to my balloon and deflated everything that I had hoped for because I didn't get any calls after that. What did I do wrong? I promoted my name in the name of ministry. It was industrious. You flip through a magazine and you see an article that promotes their product. It's industrious. Hmm? But it's dry. God strategically placed you, and I mean you. Somebody put your hand over your heart and say, he's talking to me. I'm talking to you. He put you here, and he made you deep. Why? Because he had intentions of filling you up. There's a time of his presence that is coming. It's coming to a remnant that is seeking him and the fullness of who he is. It is those people called the remnant that are going to be filled and overflowed with his presence. That's going to bring refreshing and times of restoration into their communities. Anopsixus, anopsuko, let your soul be revived. Let your spirit be refreshed. And let the revelation flow through you from the source of the river called Jesus. Come on. I'm going to let you go here in a few minutes. i got something else I want to share with you. Okay. In the context of wells, dry wells, dead depths, which are graves, I want to give you this word before I let you go. I, I want to talk to you a little bit here today. I'm, I want to talk to you about you being dug for a reason. Raise your hand if you will and say, he dug me for a reason. He dug you for a reason. And he made you deep for a purpose. And I'm going to tell you what that purpose is. Listen to me. 
Yahweh dug well, deep wells in strategic places because there would be people coming to them and there they'd meet Jesus. Somebody's going to meet Jesus in you one day. It may be today, it may be tomorrow, but you rest assured as sure as I'm standing here, Jesus sits in, on the mercy seat of heaven. God dug you deep and he placed you where you are because somebody's going to encounter Jesus through you one day. The problem is that those whom he gave the capacity to receive the depths of him are dry and empty. Listen to me for a reason. He put you where he put you. He dug you the way he dug you. And he made you as deep as he made you because he needed you to have a capacity that he could, that he could feel. Y'all didn't even squirm when I said that. All of us know that this bottle has a capacity. According to this bottle, it's 16.9 fluid ounces or 500 milliliters. All of us in this room know that it should be able to hold just a little bit more than that before it actually begins to flow and run down the side of the bottle. This bottle was not full, even if I have not opened up the lid. The only time that I can adequately and appropriately say that this bottle is full, going back to some of the stuff, is when the water re reaches the brink of the lip of the lid and begins to flow over top of the bottle only then is it full however we all know that there is a capacity in which this there is a capacity this has in which it cannot be filled to that point without overflowing and it can't be filled not quite to that point and still it has more to contain you know, it kind of messed up there a little bit but there's a capacity in which we have designated this bottle is capable of being filled to hmm I believe that there's a measure of faith in every man. And the measure of faith in every man is determined to have how much you believe in what he says. He dug you deep so that he could fill you with revelation of who he is. This is why the Bible is specific and when it says the fountains of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were the, 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 wind, the, 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 the fountains of the deep were broken and the windows of heaven were opened. What, what does that mean? What have, what have I said? The earth had within itself what was necessary to meet the necessities of the universe. The earth had within itself what was necessary to meet and overwhelm its circumstances. I'll say it that way. The mountains had within themselves because they had received within themselves what he poured out upon them to issue and usher a flow of refreshing which represents presence. Listen, we're dealing with dry wells because we've not received him. We've not received him in the capacity that we were intended to receive him. This bottle is not full. Most of us that can see can tell that this bottle was not even half full. But this bottle was made for a capacity and it's nowhere near its capacity and neither are you no one in this room is near your capacity I promise you I don't care how old you are how young you are I don't care how educated or uneducated no one in this room has made it not even near halfway to their capacity in which God God made you for the depths he made you with a heart that was able to fulfill or to be filled with a capacity of his presence but I'll tell you something about that when he begins to fill your heart, he then overfills you and overwhelms you. And you then become the overflow of his presence into a community. 
but we're not seeing an overflow because we're not being filled yet because we've not understood that there's a greater capacity in us listen you can't see to the depths of who you are but he has he made you he knows you if he knows the hair on your head he knows how deep you are in capacity but he does not stop with filling you to capacity he does not stop with filling you to capacity he will not stop he will not stop he overflows you let me read on some of this stuff are you with me are you a whale in this region Yes, yes, you are, whether you want to believe it today or not. But you know me, I won't shut up. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. The problem is that those whom he gave the capacity to receive the depths of him are dry and empty. Why? Just choice. God created every well, every ministry, every pastor, every preacher, every evangelist, every believer. He created them with a capacity that he himself would overfill and overflow. But we're not seeing the evidence of this. Why? Because it was never his intention for those wells to remain empty. And even more so, it was never his intention for those wells to be full of themselves either. And that's the problem. Listen to what I'm about to tell you here. God puts you where he puts you so that he could fill you with the refreshing of his presence. Amen. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. How many of us have walked over to an old well and looked down in it and we could see some sort of reflection about 20, 30 foot down? Hmm? Anybody see where I'm going with this? You peer over into the depth of that well and you can see some sort of reflection way down there but you can't tell what it is the fuller you are the nearer to the top you rest when Yeshua comes and peers into your access it's his face that peers back so the deeper you are, the closer he appears. Salah. The deeper I am, or the fuller I am, which equates to my depth. But we cannot measure how deep we are without knowing how high we are. Hmm? Listen, because when I begin to fill up the depth or the capacity, or he fills up the depth or the capacity, depth or capacity of who I am and what I was created for, he dug me strategically and specifically for a reason. Somebody was going to find and meet Jesus there. But guess what? When they peer over into that empty well, they don't see Jesus' reflection. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because unless I am full of him, the reflection will always be distorted. What is the water? What is the whale? It's a belly. It's a matrix. It's the depth of a person. And until we are filled with the depth of who he is, when people peer into us, all they see is emptiness. And their perception of reality 
will always be distorted until we allow ourselves to be full of him until we mirror him face to face you see what I'm saying you see where I'm going here until he can look and be face to face with himself come on somebody better say something here until he can peer into your depths and come face to face with himself what people see in us will always be distorted and how they see themselves in us will always be distorted I ain't got a microphone but I got my phone and I'm done I just dropped it some of you older folks probably don't know that's really cool and hip I don't know why it sounds stupid to me but I felt like being stupid in the moment <coughs> otter case or whatever they call it what is that Brian pelican no, 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 I didn't drop it that hard. <clears throat> are, you, are, you, are you with me? Have I helped you this morning? Are you going to position yourself to be full of him? Do, do me a favor. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. I want you to be deeper. I want you to be fuller. Will you pray that prayer for me, would you? I want you to be deeper and fuller. I want Emory to be deeper and fuller. I want every home that is represented in this place to be deeper and fuller and overflow with him. Come on. You want to restore your community? Come on. Come on. Let him overwhelm the capacities of your death. See, he's not filled you up yet, but he's going to fill you up, I'm telling you. Y'all believe that? You believe that for her? Because I bet she believes that for you. When you believe that for her, she believes that for you. Believe that for one another where two or three agree on touching one thing or two or more. Come on. He's going to fill you. He's going to fill you up. Will you pray that with me? Let's pray right now, would you? Let's, well, let's, let's pray that prayer for one another. Listen, I want, I want Emery, have them come on back in here. We're going to pray. pray. Pray this prayer for your kids. For every generation that's represented in this church, I want us to pray that prayer today. One with another. Listen, I'm agreeing with you. Will you agree with me? They're going to agree. We're going to agree. He's done agreed. Jesus has done agreed. We're going to pray for the river to start flowing through this family right here. This family is going to be overfilled and overwhelmed and overflown with his goodness and the presence of who he is. I believe the anopsis is going to become a reality in this family. Let God, if you can't, if no one else will invite you, God, this family invites you, God. God, let there be an example poured in into this family, God, that will be that will be an example for every other family across this county and across this region and across this state, God. God, that we would position ourselves and we would just place ourselves. God, that we would have to do nothing but just receive who you are, God. God that when we receive who you are then we will perceive who we actually are and God we're fountains we're, we're whales God God just fill the depths of who we are with the essence of who you are God that when people look into us God when they peer into our depths God even from the depths of who we are God they will begin to see you looking back at them they will begin to see everything from a corrected spiritual lens God what they see will no longer be distorted the community when they peer into this church will no longer be distorted their perception will no longer be disturbed or distorted father I just pray God God that you are bringing every one of these molecules back together God that the turbulence and the disruption and the trials and the tribulations that we're encountering we're encountering because we're all uh, we're, we're, we're all alone and we're, we're by ourselves God and we've been separated and we've been detached 
We've been divided, God, from humanity and divinity and one another. And I just pray, God, that right now you're sending the power of the Holy Spirit to just bring everything back together in accordance to your purpose for humanity, God, within this region. God, I know that you're doing this in other places. I know that you're doing this in other congregations, God. You're beginning to feel and overwhelm hearts in other places across the world. And I'm thankful, God, to be united with a remnant that is willing to stand still and be quiet long enough until they receive until they receive the presence and the anopsis of the refreshing of your spirit on the inside of them father i pray god for myself that you would just feel me God, that you will just begin to feel the depths of who I am. God, that revelation will just begin to flow. That any time I open my mouth, any time I open my mouth, it will begin to flow. Any time that my ears and my eyes and my heart are opened, it will begin to. It will just continue to be flowing in me. That when my mouth is opened, it will be released out of me. God, let me receive of you that I may release of you. Let me receive of you that I may release of you. And God, I just pray, God, that word upon every. Every person in this church today, every person that may listen to this podcast, God, I pray for the anointing to never cease or go away. I pray, God, that they shall receive of you, that they may release of you, Father. And I just pray, God, that there's going to be a flood, that the knowledge of the glory of God will begin to cover this earth again, as do the waters cover the seas. Father, let us begin to be filled. Let us begin to be filled with the essence and the presence. Breathe into our bellies. Breathe into our souls today, Lord. Breathe into our bodies that we may become alive again. Father, that the water molecules are beginning to churn again. Are beginning to move again. Father, we just pray that you will stick your hand into the depths of these waters and trouble them. Father, that you will begin to just destroy and remove the stagnation. You will begin to remove the stench of cesspools. God, that we will begin to smell and hear and taste the crisp refreshing of your river again. The presence of Yeshua. Father, I hear the sound of a river coming down. I hear the sound of the tide changing and the levels rising. The waters, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, amen. Let it be so. You believe in the Lord today? Let me share something with you. He believes in you, too. Nobody ever believed in you before. You be under you. You be assured and understand that the Lord believes in you, and He has created a special vessel, precious vessel, in you. Amen. Something wrong? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Making sure you're good.
Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's Word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia, 24822. That is tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and all that you do today.